Hey, it's Cam. Welcome back to another episode of This Might Be Helpful. I sincerely hope that it is, that is my intention, that it is helpful. If not for you, then for me. To flesh some thoughts out, to continue this ongoing mapping of reality. Because it is something that no one's going to do for you. They'll try. We get given maps of reality made by people who didn't understand the topography of the mind and body and spirit and universe. And that is a luxury, certainly, to be able to have the access to the information we have and build communities around this knowledge, or at least the intention to keep exploring is very helpful. Hmm, I've been thinking lately, like maybe there's something to every spirituality, every religion, every great philosopher that's ever spoken. There's a there's an undercurrent to it all that is divine. And I say divine as a person recovering from religion. Not in the sense that I was like indoctrinated into a cult and I was forced to do things I didn't want to do. No, just the attachment of God, the divine, to organized religion. That when we feel resistant to something and we associate uh, moralistic failings or negativity, bad vibes, with these overarching institutions, it can be a real bummer because we are then resistant to the foundation of the ideas that they preach, the foundation of the ideas that they talk about. It's no at the source, but it's because we're saying no to all that we've associated with it. But when you drop the structures and you drop the institutions and the connotations and drop the apparent truth that we have about things like religion or various mind-altering substances or the way that medicine should be approached or different methods of healing, when we take away any idea that we know anything about that, about it at what is the source, then we can take the direct approach, direct contact with reality as it is or may be rather than what we thought it to be. We drop the need to know or the need to be perceived like we do know. And in that openness, you are granted an opportunity to step back and witness something, everything, maybe nothing. Because the thing is, if you continue to question everything, eventually it becomes nothing. The deeper you go into questioning what is, the closer you get to silence. An unyielding, ever-present web, layer, dimension, space of consciousness from which everything is emerging at all times. And it's not something... It's not something easy to take on 
when we've had conditioned or decided ways of viewing the world. I was staunchly atheist. My entire, I mean, since I was conscious, I think, because the religion around me and the restricted nature of it all just gave me an urge to run, an urge to find a different truth, or many. But when you feel threatened by a truth or threatened by a concept, an idea, we run away from the emotional association of that idea as opposed to what it's really about, what it could be beyond what we can see. When the eyes are unobstructed, when the heart is unobstructed, when there's nothing in the way, nothing in between. So how do we create the in-between? How do we get acquainted with the interlude between all that we see and hear and think and believe, the in-betweens, the space between two thoughts, the space between each breath, the space in our body that we create when we take a deep breath. From the space that it is all emerging, it is the backdrop of reality. And that feels awfully foreign a concept when we are right in betwixt it, like really getting knuckled down by the universe, or we think we are. Like this week, I was anxious and unproductive from a capitalistic sense and just like societal sense i felt a deep urge to retract and go deep seeking some kind of sacred deep rest and finding it in parts invoking the sensation of solace which is contentment and peace despite or amongst the chaos or perceived chaos But I felt cold to rest deeply, but I also have commitments and responsibilities and things that I willingly and openly embraced and signed up to. And it is in those moments where something within you calls for something deeper. I might perceive it as rest, like I got to take a big nap in the woods in a dark room, but that depth also is the source of continued power and it's not force it's not forcing our way through burnout and forcing our way through what is painful but moving through that with power something that comes from within not an external pressure but a okay let's try again let's do it again and as you push beyond that original perceived end or desire, you find that you can, that these bodies, these minds were built to some pretty rigorous standards and 
by engaging in the things that are restorative throughout our days, we can find that solace, we can find that rest, we f can find healing without needing to go and do a retreat, without needing to wait for the weekend. Sweet brother in Christ, I don't sign up to a life that is only good on the weekends. Those numbers don't stack up for me. They don't. Mm -mm. Bringing play, bringing curiosity, disrupting the routine lest it become the death, the death of our memory. So, back to finding that forever infinite unyielding space of consciousness. Something that has been practiced for quite some time and is now hitting the mainstream media is the act of meditation, but we can demystify that process. Demystify the process to the mystical because it is a matter of neurobiological control. We've got 5% of this conscious top-down decision-making ability to govern the 95%. Usually we're just getting carried by the 95%. Wherever it goes, we go. So we gotta use that 5% to shift and tweak the dials, alter the trajectory, install an intention, and allow our subconscious to get on our side. Allow us to be on the same team. And meditation is one of the most profound things you can possibly do to influence that conscious autonomy. The formula of a base meditation and I'm going stripped right back right back nothing fancy no visualizations no complicated mantras we sit with intention or lie down you should be comfortable don't allow pain to be a disruptor to establishing a practice it's got to be enjoyable it's got to be fun and it is f fun it's blissful anyway i'm getting ahead of myself to make it easy we want to be able to sustain our attention on a meditation object whilst allowing our peripheral awareness to continue infusing itself with the greater reality and i was like attention awareness aren't they the same thing no Awareness is the space in which sense objects arise. Awareness is the space in which things occur. Attention is the thing that analyzes that which emerges in awareness. And there's back and forth, you know? If you are sitting at a, at a dog park, whatever, I don't know what you do on the weekend, I'm sure it's quite enjoyable, like a dog park. You are speaking to a friend and your attention is on your conversation and it's incredible what attention can do in the context of that conversation. Your mind is digesting, engaging, um, formulating in the mind what you might say in response to that mind. It's locked in if you're present and you're engaged and enjoying yourself, you're locked into that conversation and in that moment, most of everything that you have ever known is forgotten. 
the things you've learned in school, the experiences that have been notable in your life, your favorite music, your unfathomable scope of who you are and what you know is tightened to a narrow aperture, a narrow ring of focus that amplifies this moment, amplifies the information that you get from this thing, the analytical side, and dulls out peripheral awareness. But say that conversation is interrupted by somebody shouting, heads up. That thing emerges in awareness, the information is passed through the subconscious, and attention is redirected, split to another thing. That attention analyzes that thing and can pass that information onto the awareness. Yes, that's a threat. No, that's not. But awareness is that space in which the little emergences of reality occur. So when we're meditating and we sustain attention on something somewhat static, a repeating pattern like the breath that is sure to come, it's sure to go, it's sure to come again, and it is also something that once attention has gone deeper and deeper into the felt sense of that breathing process, it becomes nuanced enough to where your attention is pacified. It's got something to do. It's going deeper. It's going, oh my goodness, there's so much more to this thing that I thought. This is really special. But the key is that the attention is sustained somewhere. So awareness, that peripheral field in which everything emerges, is undistracted, uninfluenced by where the attention is. Now, of course, to sustain the attention is the process. In the beginning, we have to learn to flex our attention, flex our ability to focus and sustain that attention and redirect it when we become aware that we've lost it. And this is the formula. The focus, the attention is in place. Inevitable mind wandering occurs. Awareness, aha, of mind wandering. Shift back to focus. Sustain the attention, distraction, aware of distraction, shift back to attention, and this loop goes on and on. And in the beginning, in the early days, or in the later days too, this isn't linear, but most of the meditation is mind-wandering, punctuated by brief aha, and redirected attention, and sometimes that process, the 90% mind-wandering with little 10% of sustained attention. But you keep doing it. And your brain learns quickly. Your subconscious learns quickly. You go from being distracted every two seconds, every two breaths, to every 10 breaths. And maybe you make it to 30, and then you have vipassana, insight. Not just intellectual insight of ideas and things we could create, ways we could communicate, fix those aspects of our lives, these intellectual insights. But if we can get beyond those, we get greeted with the experiential insights, the felt unified truths that 
reveal themselves when the conditions are appropriate. Mm. The truth is always there. It just plays hide and go seek. It comes out through power and patience and acceptance and surrender, not so much by force. You can't force the truth. You create space for it. And as the space between your attention and awareness expands, the attention is sustained, it's pacified, the wandering is slowed down. The me show gets quieter and quieter. The I, me, my gets further and further in the distance. And then you're like, holy crap, what the heck is happening? And then zoop, back to mind wandering because <laughs> when you experience something wonderful, your mind wants to hold on to that. And we draw the attention back to the breath, snip the thread of expectation, and go back to being open. You can do it inside, you can do it outside. You could do it in a park. You could do it on a beach. You can do it on a train. You can do it staring out a window. You can do it pretty much anywhere. And through this process of being able to really mm, call your attention where you need it on demand and that listens to you, the side effect of that in your life is profound. Being able to neutralize a way of thinking and return to a path that serves, a path that expands. Being able to immediately get a felt sense for what is occurring in your body and not attach to the story of why this is happening, the story of why we are anxious, the story of why things are just not working and why nothing's going right and why are things so hard. Snip, snip, snip the thread of continuity. The only thing that maintains Time is our desire to measure decay. So if we can snip that thread of continuity, the constant monologue of in the mind, we get to begin again. Oh boy, wouldn't that be nice? Boop, begin again. It's possible, you can do it. And it's very enjoyable, thoroughly enjoyable. I, I, I grew up in the same technological landscape as probably a bunch of people listening to this, but I too had a shitty attention span. I thought that, and actually I never thought that I couldn't do meditation because growth mindset, dude. But I had failed at it repeatedly failed as in I just would get down not what I was not know what I was doing and get up again be like well that didn't work out still anxious still sad didn't meet any of the divine DMT elves but you bring an intention into it <clears throat> I didn't understand intention at the time and when you focus your attention with intention <clears throat> you reap what you sow so this was fun thank you for coming um I am releasing actually a series of meditations that go from very much beginner to who knows. I'm excited to share them with you. I'll let you know when they're ready. Just keep, keep your eyes and ears peeled, unobstructed.
Much love. I'll talk to you next week.